and you need to make everything so easy and process-oriented so that you can do it for the long term. Because mm. that's the only way you can really succeed. Biz Women Rock, episode 96. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am bringing you tremendous stories from business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so they can talk about their business journey so yours can be inspired by it. I could not be more excited to introduce my guest today. Her name is Farnoosh Brock, and she is the owner of a company called prolificliving.com. She is 100% committed to producing really great things that help you live a very prolific life and one that really is full of passion and energy and good stuff, okay? Now, what Farnoosh is amazing at is producing really great content. She's a blogger. She has produced a lot of books. She's produced a lot of products. She has a very successful online business and she is wonderful because she actually lets me dig in really, really deep during this interview to get behind what it really takes to produce products like and why that's so important and what it really takes to produce really great content on a regular basis. There are so many takeaways in this conversation, so I'm so excited for you to listen to it. So let's get rolling. Farnoosh, thank you so much for being on the call with me today. Hey, Katie, I'm so happy to be here with you today. Kind of here's what goes on behind the scenes. I'm really happy when I talk to fellow podcasters because I know you have not been podcasting in a year, but you had a very robust podcasting kind of stint in your life. And so you were like, hang on, we got to check this audio. Do you want me to back up this file just in case? So I appreciate from one podcaster to another this mm -hmm. care for the audio here. So that's very, very much appreciated. You are welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show because as everyone is going to hear throughout this conversation, you have had such a unique professional and entrepreneurial career and you come at business in such a cool way that is so applicable to so many women in business right now. So I wanna kind of jump right into it. You basically like left your corporate career, your very, very good paying corporate career to start your business. So can you kind of explain to us exactly what that corporate career was, what you did and kind of give an overview as to what that was all about? Yes, and what was I thinking, right? <laughs> What was I thinking, leaving all that behind? No, that was just my family wondering. I had a wonderful job. I had a wonderful boss. I mean, I had it made. I was working from home. I traveled the world. I had a really good project. But that was for 11, 11 and a half years. And it was a, a long, wonderful corporate journey. It had ups and downs. But I noticed the last five years, there was this feeling of emptiness and, and just lack of fulfillment. Like I just, I just became a little disillusioned with the whole thing. What were you doing? What was the actual industry? So at the time I was just coming out of technical support. I was doing technical writing and process improvement still in the technical organization. This was a, a company that, that did a lot of technical work and they were, they were like a leader in technology. And then I moved into project management and sales operations. I worked with executives. I mean, I did a lot of things because I was at the same time, I started searching for that place for that ultimate place for me in corporate so I could grow because I 
I could see myself being a vice president one day. And that's what I wanted. But the last few years, I just became a little disillusioned. I, I wondered if that's really what I want. And I started having some mild health challenges, not problems, but just, I, I was just not feeling very healthy and very energized and, and just youthful. And, and it was the stress of the corporate world wearing on. And so I became a little aware of this and I started to look for distractions in my life. So I started tango and yoga and traveling and all kinds of things. And then I thought that this would balance out my corporate job. And that didn't help very much. I was still unhappy with my work. And, and then I stumbled into blogging. So I was still at corporate when I started blogging just as a hobby and I fell into it. And uh, this reminded me how much I loved writing when I was much, much younger. I studied engineering. So really, I didn't pursue the writing love ever. Yeah, those seem quite opposite, actually. Either you're an engineer or you're like the creative writer. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I was a bad engineer. <laughs> so that might explain the fact that I'm a decent writer. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, like I told you just a few minutes ago, I'm from Iran and in my family, there is a strong emphasis on education and education that is very respectable, which is either in medicine, law, being a professor at a very respectable college or becoming an engineer. It was a, a strong influence of my parents and grandparents. And so I, I studied uh, engineering and, and I'm glad I did, but I fell in love with writing when I started blogging. And I fell in love with this underworld, I call it, because I never knew about the blogging and social media world. And so I started to just grow and grow into that. And I started to lose more interest in my corporate job. So it really became a job. It went from being a career to being just a job. And that whole process took a few years, I would say two to three years, to where I started to really question being a corporate employee for the rest of my life. I started to question the meaning of work and what else could I do? And is there another way for me, not for the entrepreneurial spirits out there who have, you know, this drive to, to have their own businesses, but for someone like me, a corporate employee, a very good, loyal corporate employee, could I do something that's as crazy as running my own business? Were there any business owners in your family? Were you ever introduced to the idea that something outside of corporate really existed for you? My brothers are very entrepreneurial. So that was it. My brothers are the entrepreneurs in the family. My brother is now a venture capitalist. And at the time he was hopping from one startup to the other and he was always running out of money. So it was really scary proposition for me. The idea of a startup never appealed to me, even though I worked at a startup right before I went into this Fortune 100 company. And then my other brother, who's younger, he was also showing interest in entrepreneurship, but my family and, and uh, other areas, no, it was mostly teachers and professors and doctors and dentists and things like that, or employees of companies. So it was still very foreign for me. And then the, the idea of running my own business, the traditional way of maybe becoming a realtor, right? Like, I don't know why people suggest this to you. Why don't you go sell real estate? I'm like, why? I have no interest or consulting, right? This is the number one way that regular employees leave their job and basically take their expertise and then turn it into a consulting work. So they really kind of create another job for themselves. That didn't appeal to me either. And so I needed something that was fun and creative and it needed to fit the criterias of health of total freedom, of allowing me to run my life uh, first and then my business or my work, and also be able to travel. 
So this was all kind of percolating in my head, what I wanted to do with my life, with my work. And at the same time, I knew, Katie, that I would never leave, or I thought I did, that I would never leave such a cushy job. Because it's easy to just talk a big game, right? right? When you're still getting your paycheck and then you're like, well, I would like to do this, or I would like to go in this direction, but to actually do it. So when it came time to actually do it, it was both scary and easy. And it's funny how I haven't looked back for a minute. It's, it's just been a wonderful journey. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that, I mean, that answered it perfectly, actually. What I'm interested in is what role did the writing play in all of this? I mean, you were starting to blog and you were starting to write and create. How did that actually help you create like what you wanted to do on the other side of quitting corporate? Writing is actually a very creative process. I did not know this. So you don't just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a blog post or I'm going to write a newsletter. I think if you take it a little bit further, which I started to do after the first hundred blog posts, right? I started to actually play with writing and there is a free flow writing that you can do. There is a lot of writing that you can do that actually helps you see what you want and helps you kind of put your creativity on paper and a good resource for you because I've studied it since then because I think it's fascinating. And this is for everyone, even if you don't think you're a good writer, especially if you don't think you're a good writer, check out a Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And she talks about the morning pages, which basically is helping you kind of understand what you want, what's going on in the back of your mind and kind of tap into your own consciousness and bring forth the things that you really want to do, because it's really hard to figure out what you want to do. You may not want to do your job, but what is the thing that you want to do? I mean, that's where I was. So I was doing that at the same time as I was blogging and I started writing for other blogs. So I was learning two things here, the process of creating content, which was very new to me, right? That's not what I did in my corporate job. The process of creating content that I wanted, that I felt was useful, that I felt I was sort of knowledgeable in, and also the process of writing, the, the creative process of writing. And so there's the finished product of an article, of a blog post, but then the process of writing was really a learning curve for me. And both of those showed me that what I know is I want to do more of this. And that's enough. That's enough as a first step. You want to do more of something and less of something else. And that's you moving toward the direction of more clarity, which is really what I needed at the time because it just seemed so confusing. You know, what am I going to do? I was giving up 11 and a half years, not to mention a master's degree, engineering degrees, certifications, all of that. For what? Like I couldn't even explain it to myself, much less to someone else. So I knew I wanted to do more writing. I knew I wanted to do something on my own. I didn't want to have a boss. I didn't want the corporate structure. I didn't want the walls around me. I didn't want the rules, the entities of organizations and all of that. And I wanted to possibly create something of my own. And that started to look more and more like a business. It was a, a lengthy process. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were finally kind of standing on that precipice, looking over to the other side of kind of freedom, your new business, where you wanted to go and looking behind you where you were still standing in corporate and decided to make that leap, what did it look like on the other side for you? I guess the question I'm asking is, did you leap without knowing exactly what that is? Or did you leap when you finally said, here's a business model, let me go with that and let it evolve? 
Right. I think I, I, I had some clarity. I knew I was done with corporate. I was crystal clear as day that this is not what I'm going to do ever again, whether it's that company or any other company. So I knew that was not it. And I knew that I couldn't even do it longer. So let's say at some point you decide I'm not going to be at corporate anymore, but I'm going to be there another year just to decide what I'm going to do. Like I was completely done. There was a, a sequence of events that led me to actually resign a lot earlier than, than I had even planned. So that much was clear. But the second part, your question, I had a loose vision of of where I wanted to go. I knew it was going to be my own business. It had to do something with blogging, with writing. It had to be online. Like I did not want to go open a shop downtown. That was not going to happen. Maybe someday, but that did not appeal to me. I wanted to have a business that went with me because we love travel. My husband and I travel a lot. So I couldn't leave the business at home. I didn't want to be tied down. And I knew that I wanted to create programs and products and books. But again, that was that was it. And I was interested in personal development. So that was the niche that I had been really focused on. And, and both because it was a personal journey and it interested me. Those were what I knew. I also finished my first product before I resigned. So that was sort of my target that I want to have at least one product before I resign. And actually that was my worst performing product. So it was a really hard <laughs> lesson, <laughs> right? And, and so that was, that was all I knew at the time. And I wasn't really making much money at all from my blog or from my coaching program, which I had just started. We're going to jump ahead now. If you could kind of give us a whole overview of exactly what your business is, what you provide, and what is your actual business model, and then we're going to kind of break into that a little bit. Right, right. Okay, so it took me three years, but now I do have a business model. <laughs> It does take time. It's going to look different now, a year from now too. <laughs> right. No, all kidding aside, it does take time. And that I think is the hardest, hardest part for all of us to digest. But time does pass. And so if you keep doing, it does build. So the business model today is I, I do have a coaching program, both private and group coaching. I coach people uh, who fit a certain criteria. I'm actually getting more selective who I work with. That's really important because that's when you create your miracles through coaching. So I have some really amazing clients and those are mostly long-term, six months to a year, and then I have books. So I started self-publishing books to the Kindle store mainly, which I highly recommend if you want to get your work out there. And one of those books did so well that it brought a very good traditional publisher to us a couple of years ago. We have since written two books that have done amazing. Those are the Healthy Juicers Bible and the Healthy Smoothie Bible. And those books are focused on some of my passions around juicing and smoothies. And so that's a niche in itself. I have a blog behind that. I have a juicing clinic, another juicing product. And so that's one part of the business, if you will. And then we have the personal development blog, Prolific Living. And Prolific Living is mainly a place where I provide a lot of information around confidence building, positive affirmations, positive thinking, and taking control of your life. And so we have an affirmation program. We have a confidence building program. And then I really love blogging and sharing that with, with the community that's built around that. And then I have the career programs that I really passionate about. And those focus in two areas. One is to help people who are, let's say where I was three years ago, I was a cubicle employee, even though I worked from home most of the time, but, but that was the nature of it, right? A cubicle employee, long-term. And I 
just woke up one day and I didn't want to do this. <laughs> Where do you go from there? And to take that employee mindset to the other side, to think like an entrepreneur. That's one of my courses, Smart Exit Blueprint, which is basically to create an, a smart exit blueprint for yourself. I did some of those, but not all of them for my own exit. And the other one is to help corporate employees actually move up the corporate ladder. And the reason I created that program is because I struggled so much with it at the beginning of my career, but then I really cracked the code of succeeding at corporate and I was able to really leap the last few years of my job and, and I mentored a lot of people at my job how to do this. And so a couple of years ago, or a year ago actually, we pulled this together into a comprehensive audio program. So dif different focus areas, but I love to kind of go in between these and, and really push myself and, and I feel like these are the areas where all of them are my strengths. And you want to do that. You want to focus on your strengths, develop your strengths. And of course, you know, that's all the work of Marcus, Marcus Buckingham. I love his work and highly recommend it. So those are the main areas of the business, but we are constantly growing and constantly pushing ourselves. Farnoosh, what I love about that explanation is that I think so many times we're very fearful that we can't have two or three or four separate areas of interest and separate completely siloed businesses, even though we have interests everywhere because people will get confused or it might distract us. And I love what you're saying about the fact that, okay, I have this sort of personal development area over here and I have this juicing area over here in health and wellness, which is completely, they don't talk. I mean, they actually kind of do, but they're completely different audiences and there's different marketing strategies behind each of them. But one thing I want to point out is that you definitely started with just one and then let yes. all of those things evolve out of that. So I, I love the fact that you're giving voice to the fact that multiple different types of interests can exist, but yes. as long as you're really planning for them and letting them evolve and, and kind of getting one down and then evolving into another. Yes. I love that you mentioned that because everything you said is true. And the most important part is start with one, right? Start with something, get good at it, get momentum. And whatever it is you're going to create or ship it, do that, learn the process, and then build on that. I struggled a lot with how to kind of bring all these passions together, but I feel like we don't have to limit ourselves. I mean, if you really have those passions in different areas, and I do feel like there is connection because my clients and customers have shown me that the people, for example, who sign up for my Smart Exit Blueprint have actually more than a dozen of them have shown interest in the juicing mm -hmm. and have gone out and bought the books and have joined the program because health and work, they are together, right? One right. helps the other. And so I didn't even see the relationship. I was looking at them separately, just like you said, but my customers and clients have shown me that they relate and they connect and all of them are components of holistic living. They are different areas though, and they do require different marketing. So all of that is very true. Well, I want to dig into a couple of the different aspects of your business model because it's really interesting. So the first thing I want to talk about is your book on Amazon Kindle. Because you had success with it, what does that mean? Like any one of us right now can go and publish on Amazon Kindle. And if we have a really smart marketing strategy, things can go really well. But what did that truly look like for you? What was that price point? How many people bought? What does it mean for that it was actually successful? 
Right, right. That's a, that's a good point. And first of all, I think that we're all successful just by attempting and doing. So <laughs> you're such a but, positive person. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a challenge. It was a good challenge. That's totally. I totally get it. But uh, I know it, what you mean. I will disclose because you did have a traditional publisher come back around. But like when somebody says, "I had a successful book on Amazon Kindle," what does that mean? Let's see. So I'll tell you all of it because all of it is relevant. The first book may not do well but keep publishing, right? I put out a writing manifesto. I put out a motivation book, which I thought was pretty good. I put out my travel guide, which I was really proud of. And then uh, something else, I'm sorry, it doesn't come to me. My book on Rumi, Rumi photography. Rumi is a Persian poet and mm -hmm. love him. And, I, and I, we did a photography book. Rumi did actually pretty okay. And by that, I mean, that was a book $2.99 and it was selling 30 to 50 copies consistently per month. Okay. So that was okay. The other books did all right, but then the first book, so these didn't come out in order. The first book that, that we put out was, or maybe it was the second book, sorry. But anyway, it was the juicing book. It was the comprehensive guide to green juicing. And we put that out. We sold it on our website for $27 bundled up with all these bonuses because I was getting a lot of traffic on juicing. I had started a newsletter. So I was collecting emails. I was doing the email marketing thing. I couldn't find a good product that I felt comfortable recommending for a juice guide, a green juice guide, so that the readers were asking for it. So I put it together. I sold it to them. And we might have sold, I don't know, 50 to 100, which is pretty good for a $27 product. Yeah. But then we put it on the Kindle store for $9.99, for 10 bucks. And the first couple of months, Katie, it did oh, maybe 30 copies, 50 copies. But then it started selling between 200 to 400 copies a month. Wow. So Amazon was sending me $3,000 checks, $4,000 checks every month. And I was like, you know, this is not bad. From a $9.99 digital book that I wrote while I was vacationing in Australia. Wow. So, <laughs> Well, when you put it that way, you know, it's, it definitely did well. <laughs> okay, so that did well. And that was a great ride. I think it was nine months or something like that. And as far as marketing for that, so that was all cold audience. I wasn't sending my warm email audience to that book because I was sending them to the more bundled package, right? But that was all cold audience, which means that Amazon was doing the marketing, if you will, or the book was starting to rank because the reviews were good. And so it started ranking in different categories. I was doing the basic things where I had a great description, I had a great cover. I was ranking it in different categories. And when they wouldn't work, I was tweaking those categories, book categories. There's basic stuff you can read on Kindle, positioning your book well for Kindle. But beyond that, maybe I would tweet every now and then. It was all cold traffic. What was that major difference that happened? What made it go from just selling 30? The topic. It started ranking. So we did something else around that time. So that's, that's more detail if you're interested. But we actually, for a three-month cycle, we enrolled the book in the Kindle Select program, KDP program. So we didn't sell on our website. We just gave Amazon exclusivity in exchange for this particular promotion program where they give you five days of free campaign. So you give your book away for five days and then it pushes it up in rankings because a lot of people downloaded. And this was around the time that was spring and juicing is a big topic in North America anyway. So I think the topic helped and the fact that the KDP, we were enrolled in KDP for just three months because I meant to sell it on my own as well. But then it did so well that it pushed it up the ranks and when the sales come and then it's sort of the momentum builds on itself. So it stays in the categories. And I think that was the 
that was the only thing we did that that I can contribute to the to the book doing well. And I think it was a good book, right? I mean, you do have to write things that are sometimes we just want to write what we want. But sometimes you write something that's really, really useful. Like, you know, that reference guide that you go to all the time. Yeah. It's useful. And if you can create something really useful and compact and, and digestible for people on an area that you're interested in, the fact that it's good, that still actually matters. And I look back at my other books and I think, you know, this was a lot better. So there was that people, maybe a word of mouth, maybe a little bit of that. And then that brought us the November of that year that brought us the publishers and I turned them down twice. Really? Yeah, this would continue forever. And I didn't want to sell the rights to that book. But then we agreed. Um, so glad because they turned out to be wonderful. We had a mutual agreement that I would write a brand new book. So we would leave this Kindle juice guide alone and we would come up with a new book. And that was the Healthy Juicers Bible. And uh, that has done remarkably well. It was actually featured in Veg News, which is a big vegetarian. I'm a huge Veg News girl. I'm vegan. So yes, I'm, I'm into Veg News. <laughs> well, it was featured in, I think last month, my yoga teacher told me and I was like, are you kidding? That's oh, awesome. Cool. And we just got invited to Orange County's literary events for me to go on a food panel. So it's been really good. It's been really exciting to see this, this the books going out there and actually carrying the message of juicing and then later the, the smoothie Bible. So that's sort of the journey for the book. Now, does that help you and your listeners? Because I want to make sure if you need more information, I share it. No, absolutely. If, if I needed more information, I would keep on asking. Yeah, no, that was very, very good stuff. It's very important to me to have like real actionable things. So it's like, okay, what really does happen when I choose to put a, a book up on Amazon? And what does that really mean? And what's really possible there? So thank you for sharing the fact that you did multiple books and not all of them really kicked off because just to have that expectation, just keep on trying, just keep on trying and keep on trying. So anyway, I want to move more into the part of your business. You mentioned this before about how you were really spending a lot of time learning the process of creating content. And there are two things that I think that you do really, really well. One is creating great content and two is creating great product. And so we're going to get into that second part a little later. Mm -hmm. But for anyone listening, I think that you're creating blog posts, you're creating articles, you're posting for other people. When you had your podcast, you were producing that podcast on a regular basis. What have you learned over the years and what process do you have to actually produce content and really good content on a regular basis? I've learned it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is really, really hard work. And I have come to even appreciate it more. When you hold yourself to a certain standard, like I know it's Monday, I have to have a blog, but then if it's not good, I don't publish it. And, and it's really, really hard. So the processes have evolved. The things that have remained the same, so those are probably the things that are most useful to my process, so I will share those, is that you need to write every day. And I don't mean write emails or, or little comments on other people's blogs. I mean, you need to fine tune your craft of writing every day because most of us didn't go to writing school. Most of us are not authors or we didn't study literature or do all of that. We don't have that background, but the practice of writing every day helps. It makes it easier. It makes the content come to you easier and it gets the creativity juices flowing. And you need your creativity juices flowing if you're going to create. I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense, but a lot of us don't even think about that. So there's internal processes that are going on so that you prepare yourself. So when you sit down to write, you actually 
have things coming out of you. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it took me a while to understand that I need to, what is it? It's like you, you warm up for something, right? You really have to have that process. So I do a daily writing. I use 750words.com. So I don't actually like write on my blog. I actually like write daily. 750words.com, which is actually based on the idea of the morning pages. And I write every day. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? The idea is you just write. So it may be complete nothing, but that gets me writing. Ideas come out of that, blog post ideas out of that, product ideas come out of that. I come up with ideas on how to deal with a client problem. Personal stuff comes out of that. So that if the one thing you take away from this interview we're doing, do a daily writing and you don't have to use 750words.com. I think they're it's a great website, but um, you could use just, you know, just open a Google doc and write every day. And I think that alone gives you a lot of things like you, you start to think, you start to create, you start to come up with the direction of your business, the direction of your blog, and you could give yourself writing prompts. So that's the second step. If you don't want to do free flow of consciousness, and there's a lot of books on writing prompts or, or blog posts on writing prompts. And a writing prompt is basically, instead of just writing about anything that comes to your mind, you actually give yourself a prompt. You answer a question, you describe something, you have something that's like a prompt, like, can you explain what was the hardest thing about your last job, right? Or can you tell me the best part of your relationship with your husband, right? Something like that. It's a prompt. So then you start thinking, but then your mind starts to maybe go in a different direction. So that can help. It's also habit, right? The thing that you become used to doing. So if you are not used to writing every day or used to updating a blog every day or used to the process of what it takes to create products, right, then it won't happen or it takes a Herculean effort to, <laughs> to make it happen. And that's hard because you can't maintain that and you need to make everything so easy and process oriented so that you can do it for the long term. Because that's the only way you can really succeed. It's not hard to start things. People start blogs every hour, I think. And starting is exciting. Every, you want to tell everyone about it. Starting is nothing worth celebrating, right? I think after you've done it three months, three years, you're still doing it with the same enthusiasm. That's worth celebrating. And so... I think building the same habit, the, the good habits and putting the habits in place. As far as blogs, like there's so many different approaches. Some people say you need to update your blog weekly. Some people say you need to write whenever you feel like it. Some people do it daily. So that depends on what you want to get out of your blog where I don't think we're getting into that. But I think it's important to do the writing regularly because the writing is also the foundation of your product creation. Even if you're creating an audio product, like my last product, it came out of a mastermind challenge. And we just put ourselves to the challenge of in a week and a half to two weeks max, we are going to go from idea inception to launch of a really good but simple product. So that's the key, really good but simple product. So you can't complicate it. You can't have layers upon layers. You can't have five bonuses and all of this stuff, but you're also really focused and you complete something. I have to tell you, that's been one of my best selling products. And we just launched it a few weeks ago. And it showed me that a lot of us are just too smart for our own good. This is the perfect transition to get into that second component that I think that you're great at, which is actually producing products because you can sit here and produce content all day long. You can build an audience all day long. You can have however many hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or millions people coming to your blog. But if you have nothing to offer them, 
you do not have a business model. You have an audience and that's wonderful. That's great. But if you don't have something to offer them that has them give you money for the value that they're going to get out of it, there's no business model there. So can you talk about the importance of actually having product and then maybe some lessons that you've learned or some absolutes that people must have in actually doing product creation? Sure. And like you said, it's whatever the, the purpose of the person is. I have a lot of friends run service oriented businesses. So they are full-time coaches, they're full-time consultants. They may or may not have a product on the side, but in that model, you need to be aware that you are trading your time for money. This doesn't scale across thousands and millions of people. So if you want to have that kind of an impact, the answer is a product. And a book is a product. That's not always clear to people. A book is a product. A program is a product, an audio program or a physical CD, all of that. And so I think you need to know why you're creating it, right? You, you can't get excited about it unless you're pretty clear why you're creating a product. And for all of us, that reason is different. You may have a strong desire to solve a problem or, or not, right? You may not be excited about anything. So coming to that idea of something that excites you and carries you through that product creation and then the marketing and the selling process, I think that's the tricky part because a lot of us think, okay, what can I create that can sell a lot, right? A lot of people are getting into juicing and smoothies. They're actually outsourcing the writing of a book to somebody else. They don't even write the book and they're putting all this really low quality products out there because they think it's a very lucrative market. So I think you have to be very clear why you're creating a product. And then when you understand your passion and why you want to create something, then we need to figure out, okay, what's the best way to create that product? And depending on your market, depending on your model, it can vary. And the consumption of that, is it audio? Is it video? Is it a course? Is it a downloadable? Is it a book? Is it an ebook? So th there's a lot of options and that's a good thing. And, and I was curious about all of them. So you asked about my personal experience. I was curious about all of them and I didn't want to box myself into just a writer or just an online marketer. So I started with ebooks. I actually, before that, I had digital products. Products. So I had a few digital products, which was just books and PDFs and worksheets and, and some audio attached to it. And it was mostly downloadable. Then I did eBooks for the Kindle store and we even sold them on a Barnes and Noble Nook store and places like that. And then uh, we got into traditional books. At the same time, I created courses with membership sites. Then I have my coaching program, which is a product. Then I offered group coaching to my students. And then the last one was this downloadable audio product. And so I wanted to experiment and I wanted to find where I'm passionate about creating a lot of products. And I actually happen to love audio products more than anything. So I think knowing what you want to create, why you want to create it, right? And then how you're going to create it and whether that how actually lends itself to your strengths. Because if you think you need to create a video product, let's say you want to teach music lessons and video is pretty good for music lessons because you're demonstrating and people need to watch that. But if you're very shy in front of the camera, yeah, sure, you can get better. But if you absolutely hate it, then that may not be the best kind of product for you to create because it doesn't highlight your strength. So for Katie, audio is definitely her strength. I'm sure she has others. <laughs> Listen to my wonderful audio voice. <laughs> yes, it's very good. You're very natural. And so I think audio products would be good. And there's a lot of steps to this product creation. So I think you need to understand that it's so worth it. And as far as business models and scaling, you can sell a product. Like I created, I haven't even told you all my products. I had this other one. I created 
in 2011, three months after leaving my job, I created this 10-minute invigorator, which is a combination of breathing, movements uh, combined with yoga and stretching. It's 10 minutes per day. So it was for busy professionals. And I was selling that on my website for a while. And then I put it on Udemy.com, which is a third-party place. Great, so if you don't want great to- Great platform, by the way. Yes, it's yeah. wonderful. And that product sells to this day, completely passive. I don't do any marketing for it. And even just on Udemy, after all the sales on my blog, it has about 450 students. And so products can have a long lifetime if they are evergreen, right? If they're not around something that that's going to be outdated, like Facebook, a course on Facebook is going to get outdated by Tuesday. You're going to have to update it like the moment that you put it out. Yes. But a course on, let's say, personal development on, on early rising or eating healthy. Yeah, sure. There may be new trends, but people are still going to want the timeless information that you're going to put out. So things like that. And that can really make a difference. You know, if you have a few products out there, first of all, it's credibility. So it speaks to the fact that you can finish something, that you put your name on something, that you are an expert at something, that you can upsell something, that your clients can go to something and you can actually reach more people with your product. And it can really make a difference in your business as far as income goes. And I think that's a good thing because it's nice to make money when you're sleeping. It's nice to make money when you're on vacation. And it's the sustainable model that really attracts me because I may not want to work when I'm 50 or 60. I may want to take a year off. And so I think it's a smart way of going about it. And we have so many assets and resources at our fingertips with technology right now that it's not like 10 years ago when you would have to go to a professional studio to create a professional product. So I think that's uh, that's that's really lucky for us. Well, and I think that you bring up such a great point is that all of this like product creation and all of the tools that you need for it it is more so than any other time in our history it is so easy the barrier to entry is super easy which is good and bad it's good because it can make it very very easy for you obviously if you're going from concept to launch within two weeks the tools out there like Udemy which by the way is udemy.com like Udemy you don't have to host your own platform and, and have all of these tech things behind the scenes in order to make it go they already have people who are going there they're searching and they make it so easy for you so it's super easy the negative component is that everyone and their mother is yeah creating product creating product creating product but I will say this in the test of time the cream always rises to the top I yes I so believe that and I've seen that with product again and again I mean if it's great content your heart's in it and you've marketed it well and it's out there that stuff will always thrive amongst a thousand other products that are just kind of like churned and burned out there yes I believe that as well I know now that you have brought your husband into the company you guys are both running the company together because throughout this evolution your company now is doing very very well and now your husband is a part of the company how do you guys work together because I know you two are the main components of the company so what are the roles that you guys have and what's that relationship like how do you balance that it's a lot better now <laughs> <laughs> there were some rough patches uh-huh <laughs> what happened yeah. well you know and, I, and i've been best friends with my husband i've known him forever we've been married it'll be 13 years i mean it's not like we don't know each other. We live together. We're very close, very, very happy. But working together is a completely different ball game. And I think it takes a certain couple 
I think it helps that we bring different strengths to the business. It's good for the business. And if you understand that about yourselves as partners, then you can leverage that and you can constantly remember not to go into each other's strengths right? Because at the beginning, we tended to do a lot of things wrong, such as walking into each other's offices and just talking instead of having a process in place. Now we use a system, we put projects in place, we assign each other tasks, or we would just talk about business all the time. And we do talk about business a lot, but now we try to have meetings and we try to respect uh, the other time. And, and this, this part is still a challenge because we're both passionate about the business, but we try to respect the time where there is no business, right? That you actually enjoy the rest of life. And I think it's important to understand this is the hardest for me. It was so hard for me to learn this, that your partner, your spouse, whoever may be your business partner is not going to work in the same style that you want them to work, that you think they should work. So I am a very type A, it needs to get done now. Everything is urgent, everything is important. We have to have a sense of urgency and it has to be written all over the place. And he's just like, no, he's laid back, but he's thinking and he's super smart. And so I have learned to actually respect the way that he works because on the surface to me, it didn't look like he was working. It's like, he's just laying there, he's thinking. <laughs> Did he work today? Is it evening time? I mean, it was just really hard for me to come to that. There were a few loud discussions, uh, but no, I mean, You're it's so true. You're so diplomatic. You can't be like, yeah, we had like expletives back and forth. That's what happens in my world. It does. It does. There was some of that because to me, it came down to he doesn't care about the business as much as I do. And that's a very dangerous things to say to your partner because caring comes out in, it's, it's like a personal relationship. It comes out in different ways. People express their love and care in different ways. And yes, there is ways to really, really tell whether someone cares or not. But when I looked at it logically, when I was calmly looking at my husband, Andy's contribution, it was a lot. And then I do a lot of work on myself too. So I started to look at the things that he does well. And I can tell you that he is the best strategic partner I have ever had. And, and he also comes from an engineering background, but I know that if I go to him with a problem and three solutions, he will give me a fourth solution. That is something I never thought about. And so the more I learned about his strengths, the more I pulled them out of him. And the more I learned about how he works and how he doesn't work, the more I encouraged the way that he does work so he would be more productive because in the end, I want the result. And I found a better way to communicate to my husband, which has been wonderful for our relationship. And sometimes, and I've had interviews where we've just talked about this, like the two of us are on the call. And, and I think sometimes some couples may realize they don't want to do this. And I think that's perfectly fine. And for now, we do want to do this together. But if he discovers another passion down the road and if our lives allow that and, and we can afford it, then maybe he will move on. And I don't see it, but I think nothing is absolute. I think you just have to respect the fact that um, sometimes it works and it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful combination. And sometimes it may not, but you have to be careful because if you live together or you have the other romantic relationship, it can really affect the other one. And, and when it works, it's wonderful. So, so I want to transition into the final component of our interview, favorite five. So are you ready? I've given you some warning about this. I am ready. Okay. So here are the five questions I'm going to ask you and just rattle off the first thing that comes to your mind. What is your favorite business tool? One of my favorite business tools is Skype. I love Skype. Yay! By the way, I just had somebody say that their favorite business tool is chocolate. I thought that that was awesome. 
That is original. Yeah, she says, she's like, it gets me going. You know, that's the thing that makes it work. I was like, okay. What is your favorite business book? I talked about this, so I'm just going to go with the artist's way. And it doesn't sound like a business book, but it has given me so much outlet for my creativity that has then led to products that I would say it's a great book for anybody, artist or not. Okay. And you do a lot of personal development, you mentioned. What is your favorite personal development program that you've done? I took a course from a a wonderful coach by the name of Christine Kane, Up Level Your Life. I actually thought that I signed up for Up Level Your Business, but I actually signed up for Up Level Your Life. And I'm really glad because it was a a wonderful course. I, I really enjoyed it. I refer to it still to this day. I think she did a great job. Okay, how about the favorite thing to do while you blog? And this is like little things that maybe people just would not know. What is your favorite thing to do while you blog? I cannot blog. I'll tell you what I cannot blog without uh, without my tea. I'm a real tea junkie okay. or a tea connoisseur. And so I have to have the, the best. And I have different types of tea that I brew. But I know that if I don't have my tea right in front of me, uh, nothing will get done. And I, when I run out, I have to stop mid-sentence if need be, go downstairs, fill up my tea, steep again, and go through the whole process. And then I can get going. Does that count? Yeah, absolutely. Your favorite thing to do is have tea. The last question is because you mentioned that you travel a lot. So this might be a hard question, but I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. What is your favorite place to travel to? Hawaii. Oh, wow. Okay. That was fast. (laughs) Easy. Easy. I try to go every other year. What island? Oh, I love all of them. Maui, Kauai, the Big Island, Oahu, all of them. I think it's paradise. I really think Hawaii is paradise. Oh, I love it. Farnoosh, I really want to, from the bottom of my heart, just thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story, and really for removing the curtains and helping us see what has truly made your business and your products and your process so successful. I just really want to thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for having me, Katie. It was a wonderful conversation. loved that conversation with Farnoosh. She was so fascinating and I so appreciated her getting really specific with the how-to of actually creating products and creating content. I just really appreciated that. Hope you got so many great things out of this. A lot of things that you're going to go take action on because she definitely gave some very, very actionable tips. Not the least of which was actually just start with one thing and go take action because that's going to evolve and help you along the way. I just really love that. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to hear about what you have used out of this conversation in your business. I'll see you on the next episode. love that conversation you ever in conversations with people where you feel like right afterwards you want to just go out and like put the world on fire that's how I feel right now let's go